When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Plenty to get into. A big time in Indy as the Combine comes calling. Austin Allen already showing off his 40 time about 30 minutes ago, about 45 minutes ago. Good on Austin Allen. We'll dive in there. Some of the uh, three other Huskers looking to Wow. We'll uh, spend some time on that. Some more offensive line thoughts. And, uh, yeah, uh, it is March, which means it's madness and it's uh, basketball. We are geared up for a, a ton of state basketball coverage. Had a lot of fun last night covering Pius and uh, Papio South. Incredible win by Coach Spitzka and his boys. Uh, man, they were uh, really good. Uh, just uh, extremely talented and will be Anxious to follow Pius in the boys and girls state tournament. Lincoln Southwest girls are off to state. Uh, of course, locally, Lincoln High is headed that direction. And uh, just, man, uh, a tearjerker last night for a couple of other Lincoln teams. Northeast went uh, for free basketball and just fell short. Same with Lincoln Southwest. And I know uh, a number of folks going to be finding their way into uh, to Lincoln from our friends out in central Nebraska, northeast Nebraska. And, of course, you have Big Ten Wrestling gets going this weekend. And, yeah, great basketball games we had here last night. I mean, did you hear the end of that, that Northeast game, Schmitty? Uh, well, no, I did not Incredible. because I was, I was up in, in Papio. I didn't know if maybe you listened to it on the way home. It was unreal finish where Northeast is up by 10 uh, with a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. Prep finishes the game on a 10 nothing run to send it to overtime. And then neither team scored a point until the third overtime. Just unreal basketball. <laughs> Overtime's a son of a gun. Yeah. It, it absolutely is. Because there's no shot clock. There's no shot clock. But, I mean, honestly, it's honestly, whoever scores first, great chance to win. Mm-hmm. Now, you can find instances where that gets blown out of the water. Uh, Nebraska in action about 7 o'clock tonight. 7.30, I believe. 7.30, uh, Big Ten tournament. Of course, Andy Markowski is off to that. We talked with Andy yesterday, and Husker women are, are in, we all think, uh, for sure. But they can uh, they can put some more momentum uh, forth uh, for the NCAA tournament. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-4676-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. 
and uh, email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. In about 15 minutes, Brandon Vogel will get his gauge on spring football. Uh, and uh, we'll have a special guest, Tommy Herb, uh, Herbster, uh, will join us from Super C. They gave away, they're giving away uh, an F-150 tomorrow at the Super C in Soresco. Tommy's going to join us as the, the winning scratch-off ticket from the Nebraska Lottery uh, purchased there. And who doesn't want a new F-150? I'm raising both hands. Gary Barnett in one hour. Parker Gabriel of uh, Lincoln Journal Star will be with us. Then Burke's Best Bets, Danny Burke, will join us. Let's start, though, with Austin Allen before we get to some spring football. And Austin Allen uh, did uh, some work. And uh, I know our, our dear friend Jeremiah Searles is is in Indy uh, watching his guy, Austin Allen, perform. So uh, at 6'7", 253 pounds, you have Austin Allen, as I'm watching the replay here on NFL Network, crank out a 4.79. That is moving. That is absolutely moving. Is he going to be the fastest tight end? I don't know. Is there a... A lot of tight ends to pick from. Yeah, I mean, you got the kid from Ohio State uh, is is there, but but overall, Austin Allen's a guy that I think uh, will will impress in the interviews for sure. He's a, a basketball dude that has played tight end, and you look at his athleticism. And then, thankfully, the guy was used quite a bit. First team All Big Ten performer. And, and was used pretty well. Could he could he have been used more? Maybe, but he had big games against Wisconsin. He had big games against Michigan. Had a really good game against Minnesota. And that's really all you can ask for for him. So, Elijah, you look at his numbers, his time. He didn't hurt himself. I don't think he hurt himself with the time. They're looking at his size. They're going to see his athleticism. There's the intelligence factor, too, from him, for him, from Aurora, obviously being a, a high-level player, but just incredible work ethic. Man, that is your game-changer difference maker, those guys you can flex out in the slot and get mismatches on. Yeah, and I don't think that he was going to the combine trying to show anyone that he was a George Kittle-type tight end who's going to go run 4-5 up the seam and, and mismatch. That, that's not who he's going to be in the NFL. In the NFL, he's going to be one of those classic – uh, either end of the line of scrimmage type of guys who is just as dangerous as a run blocker as he is as a short pass catcher or a guy who's a, a red zone threat, as you said. Put him out in the slot, find a mismatch on a, a safety or even a smaller linebacker and let him go win a jump ball in the red zone. That's what he's supposed to do. I, I don't think for Austin Allen, the 40-yard dash time was going to be a, a make-or-break type number um, because that's just not what his game is going That's not what the NFL teams are looking for from his game whenever you see the 6'9". That's kind of the icing on the cake if you're, if you're big and physical, but are you able to be elusive? And I would put Austin Allen's athleticism in the elusive category just because of his, his basketball background. So if, if you're looking at, at some of the 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 NFL draft scouts out there. What what's the the projection? The, the top tight end uh, is is Trey McBride out of Colorado State. Jalen Widemer from A and M. He's also at two sixty. Cade Otten from Washington. Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State. They have Charlie Kolar also out of Iowa State. More of the uh, the the size and frame of 
of what Austin is. I mean, you got Ruckert, Kolar, and, and Austin Allen. Austin's the sixth best tight end in this draft. The, the, uh, he's a top 120 prospect, okay, uh, in the NFL draft, uh, at least coming into this. But with Ruckert and Kolar and, and Allen, they're all about kind of the same size, except Austin's at 6'7". He's got a couple inches there. But uh, you've got kind of those end-line tight ends and Widemer and, and McBride, the go 260-265 versus the 250s. And, and more and more teams are going with a couple of different options at tight end here. I mean, I look at my, my prototype tight end of the NFL right now, back in the day is you had big dudes on the end and and listen denver was the king of this like denver carried really good tight ends but but sharp was was your difference maker Mm -hmm. right just because of how big and physical he was and they were they were throwing him in the slot back in the late 90s 2000s okay and and sharp was was big time shannon was kind of a a mold by himself and then you get to what new england did in the draft where they went with aaron hernandez pre-murder and and gronk i mean they had they had two tight ends kind of like doc holiday i got two of them one for each of you right i mean you've got the athletic tight end and then you've got your burly tight end gronk's kind of your 2.0 version with his size and speed to flex out and and then you have the the, the the who's the kid out of that was at Green Bay and in Seattle the the, the basketball player Greg, Greg no. no Jimmy um, Jimmy Graham Jimmy Graham Jimmy Graham was kind of more of your all right he's going to be listed as a tight end but really he's more of a, a big slot guy uh, right a big guy over the middle because Graham really wasn't is 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 built as he is he's not like thick and I look at like the, the best tight end at least statistically and, and fantasy football-wise, the go-to guy in Baltimore is Andrews. Mark, mm. I mean, Andrews is that, all right, Gronk's been in the league a while now. Here's Andrews, who's can play an H-back for you, also line up on the end, and then they'll they'll split him out. He can do all three. I mean, there's just not many guys like that when you look at the, the history of the league, though, and that's not why that's not what Austin Allen's going to this combine trying to prove. He's not trying to prove he's a Tony Gonzalez he's or not a George Kittle or, right. or Mark Andrews. That's not what he is, yeah. He, he's going to the combine, and numbers uh, that are going to be huge for him, in my opinion, are going to be that vertical, mm-hmm. uh, the bench, and probably the uh, the shuttle. Yeah, the, the short area quickness. Yeah, the, those are what's going to be can important. You, can you trim. separate from one of those goon outside linebackers hanging all over you? Mm-hmm. Or, like because with that shuttle, it's how well you're going to be able to to break in and out of your routes with the the bench. I know it's not squat. It's not the the be all end all in terms of how strong is this guy going to be uh, on the line of scrimmage. But it's a it's a good indicator. And then the vertical is red zone threat. You're already six foot nine. If you can add the you know a thirty four inch vertical to that. Who's going to be able to stop you? So th- those are much more important than the forty-yard dash. But four seven nine is completely respectable from uh, from Austin Allen. And now it looks like um, I'm refreshing here, mm-hmm. and it looks like the official number from the NFL might be a four eight three. Yeah, should be four tenths of a. I'm I'm, I'm reloading here the page because they, okay. they they have like the initial unofficial results, and then I was waiting for the official and, results. And, and to then come you out. can come back and run again if need to if need be. At, at pro day, mm-hmm. and then there's a there's a happy medium, so we'll keep you updated there. Jurgens, JoJo, and Cam Taylor Britt also in Indy, and uh, a guy like Samari Toure, Ben Stilley, uh, D Boogie, all those folks will 
uh, wow at their pro day, want to wow anyway, and and then uh, get in front of some NFL folks. So there we go. So let's talk uh, about uh, Donnie Raiola as he's settling into to his role. Really good story from Steve Marr at KLVarsity.com. And you have this understanding of the Nebraska standard because, quite honestly, you look at both the Raiola brothers, they were recruited. Uh, Dominic obviously landed here in Lincoln, and Donovan recruited to Lincoln but ended up at Wisconsin. And Wisconsin, another version of, of old-school Nebraska, right? Just what they are, what they want to be physicality-wise on the offensive line. It's downhill run game, play action, football, and away you go. Wisconsin won a lot of ball games last year with a, a manager at quarterback. It's been a lot of years since Wisconsin's had a difference maker at quarterback. Uh, the, the guy that could have been a difference maker for him went to Notre Dame and they won a lot of ball games as a, as a, as a, as a grad transfer. But uh, with, with Raiola, he's trying to figure out what he has and, and where they can go. And we were big Greg, we still are big Greg Austin folks here. Now, we're not holding that against or there's no grudge. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue with Raiola being hired, and I think he'll do a good job. I have, I have faith. I don't have proof, but I have faith he'll do that just because of who he is, who his family is, and who he's played under, coached under, and where he's been. So I think, I think you can get better offensive line play. You have to get better offensive line play uh, for Nebraska football next year and moving forward. Greg Austin was good enough to get uh, phone calls from the Bills, uh, good enough to be in the NFL, good enough to be at Oregon, uh, good enough to be uh, a guy that, that Ohio State really looked at and went after. So Greg Austin can coach offensive line. Let's get down to the personnel. And, you know, as, as, as we've seen the attrition happen for Nebraska football uh, in the secondary and at the running back or that duck R spot or the receiver spot, I just think that Nebraska may be in the transition from the AAC to the Big Ten. They they just went about it with what they knew, and they went after a certain type of dude, and they've had to recalibrate and readjust in the Big Ten, and now they've had to reshuffle and recalibrate a touch with their coaching staff. Um, I'm interested here with Nebraska uh, specifically here, uh, on on a mentality here, and I I think you can either draw out kind of a mean, nasty, angry, let's just beat somebody up for four quarters type football. You can make somebody mean on the offensive line, and you can refine what you're asking them to do. Too often, Nebraska football and Coach McBride would does say this a lot. Their their first step at least since the new staff's been here, hasn't been forward. And I'm not just saying this as a, uh, a metaphor. I'm saying, like, literally, they, they have not wanted to be... They've wanted to be physical. They haven't been physical enough where they get downhill. I mean, Elijah, you know this as an offensive lineman. If, you're, if your first step is back or to just get in the way... You're not really inflicting any pain or will on anybody. I think that's going to be a shift and uh, an emphasis with 
All right, you can talk about downhill. Are you going to see downhill? I think you're going to really see it because that's what Riola is. You can have zone blocking schemes or or more, you know, direct blocking screen schemes. You can you can get into that because a lot of a lot of places still run zone. But there are guys they've recruited. Their their film showed firing off the football and just hammering people and I, versus, versus versus playing patty cake. And, and I mentioned this last season whenever I was talking about the uh, the struggles of the offensive line. A lot of times the, the offensive line stepped lateral, which I, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of zone blocking from whenever I played it to now watching football. It, it works if you have a decisive running back that can cut off like they do in the NFL. That's why zone works so well up there. But in college, especially with the running backs Nebraska had last season, zone just didn't make much sense to me. And Nebraska got killed for it in a, a couple games last season. Think about the, 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 the lateral portion you're talking about. You got the O-line going laterally, and you got a guy like Mills. You're asking him to go laterally, and, and he's been best just going north-south out of the gate. Brandon Vogel's on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Brandon Vogel's going to break out his crystal ball for maybe your betting needs Sunday against Wisconsin. Danny Burke also in an hour. Vogues, what do you know? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right. There's a lot to get into. Basketball on our mind. We've got NFL Combine thoughts with Austin Allen. And of course, uh, Nebraska spring football underway. We'll have a chance to get caught back up with coaches Monday and Wednesday of next week. But all closed down for for this week, which is fine. And we, we just spent some time on the offensive line, uh, which was great. I want to go to the, the scale position stuff, though, with you, Vogues, and uh, specifically uh, the slot spot. You've got uh, Palmer and Omar, but let's focus here on Alante Brown. What's your take on as to why we've seen minimal usage of Alante? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, when he got here, he had a pretty solid slot, I think, if I'm not messing up the timeline here. I I think Spielman was still here when he got here. And then, of course, you had Wandale for for two seasons where (laughs) Nebraska leaned on him pretty heavily. You know, for between those two guys, it felt like that spot was was a little bit locked off. Um, And... Beyond that, I don't know, because he's a guy who, in very limited sample size, like you saw him, and when he when he did get out on the field, he had a kind of ability to make people miss. He he was one of those guys, and there were there were a handful of them over the past couple of seasons where, you know, I think the fan base in general watched it and be like, why isn't this guy playing more? And and that's always a difficult a difficult question. You know, I, I guess my default is to. I, I, I tend to side with the coaches of like, I don't know, they, they see 100% of this and we see maybe 10% of it. So you, you kind of got to default to them. At least that's my approach. But everything we've heard about, I mean, granted, it's been one day, the first day of spring football has, has been encouraging with him. Um, you look at I mean, just thinking back to, to what Mickey Joseph had to say about him. 
Like it was, it was pretty effusive and Nebraska needs people like that. It particularly needs people like that now because a lot of your natural leaders, you know, uh, the Jojo Domans, Markel Dismukes, the Deontay Williams, much less people on offense are, are kind of gone. So people who are willing to step up and say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do things the right way. And hopefully that models things for other people to do the right way are super important for Nebraska in 2022. He is showing it. And Mickey talked about being vocal in the room, but also Alante really just being selfless and embracing the special teams mentality, right? Where I'm going to just go, go try and kill it wherever I can to help the team. We know he's a tough kid. The, uh, the, the Chicago region produces tough folks and now he's just kept on grinding. So I think that's really cool. Uh, and it, it's more of a surprise than an expectation uh, in not, not for Alante, but just for, for the transfer and portal opportunities kids have. I mean, the second you, you, you get asked to eat your vegetables, you can go someplace that tells you we're going to give you some ice cream. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I appreciate Alante's perseverance and man, he's got that quick quickness, in the slot, and, and I can't wait to see him. Vogues, to stay in the slot, how about this dynamic of, of Palmer and Omar pushing one another? Like, you know, Palmer's had the full Mickey experience. Mickey talked about benching him. And then there's Omar, who's, you know, struggled, but also has, has wowed you a lot, too. It's like... When the chips were down, let's get Omar the football. That's <laughs> that's how he was used last year. Yeah, he was. And, you know, you, you hope that can expand for for Nebraska going forward. I mean, you look at a guy of of his size and, you know, to, to learn that, that Whipple's like, yeah, maybe he's a slot, you know, is interesting in itself. Like, we're, we're going to talk through the next month until we get to the spring game about like, okay, what's, what's Mark, Mark Whipple's imprint on this offense. And if Omar Manning ends up being a meaningful contributor in the slot position, well, that's, that's a pretty good starting point. And, and, and not just that, but competing with Trey Palmer and, you know, Mickey Joseph talked about this too. Yeah. He had to bench him, but he's also a guy who came from LSU He's a guy who can say, so Omar Manning, he hasn't been a slot really, but before, um, but, but any of those guys in the wide receiver room, Trey Palmer knows the expectation. He knows kind of the standard that those wide receivers are going to be held to under Joseph, Joseph as, as their position coach. And, and being able to impart that knowledge, I think is incredibly valuable. Like, you know, Mickey Joseph is going to pay dividends, I think, for Nebraska on multiple fronts, but this might be one of the most immediate ones. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. 
And Brandon, while we're talking about the pass catchers, I, I want to move over to the tight end room too because it's going to be a big spring for Thomas Fedoni to show what he can do, especially uh, catching the ball because Travis Voklek, as we saw last season, came in and did a lot in the run blocking uh, scheme and uh, two tight end sets with Austin Allen. And it seems like that might be similar this season with, with Thomas Fedoni, except he might come in and, and do some pass catching. We're unsure what his run blocking looks like at this moment in time. So what are you expecting to see this spring from Thomas Fedoni? And, and do you think that uh, now coming off of a knee injury, he, he can live up to the high billing that he got whenever he came in here. Yeah, I, I expect to hear his name a lot, which I think would be an indication that he is on his way to, to living up to, to that billing. And boy, you know, Nebraska needs somebody like that. And just the nature of recruiting to, to Lincoln, Nebraska, much less with a guy who was in council blocks so who's like in not just a 500 mile radius, he's in like your neighborhood. Um, those players don't come along a whole lot. And when you expand beyond that and just kind of look at the, the prospects who were rated at the level that Thomas Fedoni was coming out of high school, Nebraska's track record with those is, is a little bit hit or miss. You know, a guy like Wandale Robinson comes in and, as good as advertised, but, you know, for, for reasons he's explained on his own, chose to, to continue on and, and play his third year of college football elsewhere, and now he's off to the NFL draft, and you, you wish him well. So that's, that's kind of a big thing. Like, it's, it's tough to get prospects that, that come out of high school kind of as highly regarded as Tommy, Thomas Fedoni did when you do get them. They need to like. They need to play like that, and it's never a given. It's not a given anywhere in the country, but I feel like Nebraska, in particular, because they, you know, it's not kind of normal operating procedure to just get those guys left and right. This isn't Alabama we're talking about, um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But you need guys that have that ability to be some of your best players. So. We're not going to we're not going to know if that's the case or not with Thomas Fedoni this spring, but I think we could see steps towards that, and, and that's kind of what I'm looking for from him. Vogues, I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said there, and it goes back to, to Whipple's comments with the uh, Lincoln Football Coaches Association. Remember talking with Coach Waller and Coach Hansen, who are a part of that organization, and, and each year they have the coaches come out. And they had Whipple there, and Whipple's like, we're just going to get our best dude the football, and guess what? you got to stop it, which is cool. I like that. Until they stop you, keep running short side option on third and four, folks. I mean, it's just (laughs) – it it, it works well. Do you have a a win place show with – okay, I know we're we're minimally into spring football. That said – who do you think emerges? Who are you betting on to emerge as guys Whipple wants to throw the football to all the time? Yeah, that, and, and that's the, the key question, isn't it? Because, like, you look at Fedoni um, with kind of everything he came to Nebraska with, <laughs> it's, it's tough to – ideally, I would be like, yeah, he's a show guy. You know, got injured, didn't get to play a whole lot of his first year. Who knows? Um, but I don't know if I, if I can put it in that low. Like, 
there, there's no immediate win win place bets above him at this moment for me. I mean, like I like what I've seen from Omar Manning, but we haven't seen him on the field consistently enough. I like what I've seen from Xavier Betts, just kind of haven't seen him on the field consistently enough. So it's tough to to come up with a with a true hierarchy there much less the the kind of the running back room which is a little bit of the same the same scenario so it's it's, it's hard like if you're if you if you have to make that bet my my recommendation would be to box them so if they come in in any order uh <laughs> it doesn't matter and, and and you you get it but that's that's the thing i mean i think that's a big thing this spring is identifying like who is that guy and with a new set of eyes, do, does, does somebody who maybe we're not thinking of right now emerge into that role? Vogue's got about a minute uh, here or so. We're talking NFL Combine uh, reaction to, to Austin Allen. We got the uh, kind of the happy medium, a 4.7 and change, and then a 4.8 and change for his 240s. Uh, right now, Austin in that fifth or sixth best tight end projection in the draft. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think he, he hurt himself at all today. You know, he's going to be an, an interesting prospect because his, his height, um, well, we can all look at it and, and marvel at it for, for good reason, becomes a little bit of a question mark, I think, at, at – We lose Vogue? It's, it's out. Go ahead, bud. Sorry. You cut yeah, out. <laughs> Oh no! We think that they can they can measure to, to surmise. You, you can't coach height. Is that right? <clears throat> you can't coach height. It, I, I worry that it makes him a little bit of a specialist in the uh, NFL. Of like, oh, this is a red zone guy. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think Austin did perfectly fine like he didn't do anything to support those notions or dispel them it's just going to be something that's out there with him long term Bogues we'll talk Saturday bud take care yep sounds good thanks and we're back fellas think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery yes that's awesome Thanks for hanging out. Good stuff from Brandon Vogel. We'll talk about urgency and patience with spring football. Gary Barnett coming up 20 minutes. Parker Gabriel on the way. So we're big fans and thankful to the Nebraska Lottery and, of course, our friends at Super C for their support with Hale Varsity at ESPN. Uh, welcome in Tommy Hergert with us from Super C. And, of course, uh, Trucks and Bucks going on with Nebraska Lottery. Love Trucks and Bucks. Yes, you do. You are happy uh, for the, uh, the, the, the person who won. Living the, my dream. <laughs> living your dream. That F-150 was scratched off at, uh, at Super C in Soresco. And we uh, welcome in Tommy Hergert. Tommy, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? Uh, good, guys. Thanks. Well, let's talk about the party tomorrow uh, going on at, uh, at Super C and Soresco, man. Uh, that is going to be awesome. Fill us in a little bit. What, uh, what, what is happening? I mean, Elijah will be there, I'm sure, wanting, uh, wanting those car keys, but that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, so tomorrow the, uh, 
the Nebraska Lottery is going to be up at our store in Soresco from 11 to 1 p.m., and we're going to have a nice little event with some uh, chance to win some prizes. Uh, we're going to be offering some good deals, um, free fountain drinks um, at our store, and the truck is going to be on display. And then the uh, Nebraska Lottery will, will be presenting the truck to the winner um, towards the end of the event, and it's uh, It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. The weather's going to be nice. It'll be a nice way to uh, kick off the weekend. So feel free to come on up and grab a drink and, and have a little fun. Yep, Tommy, that'll be the place to be 11 to 1. The Super C in Soresco. You see Nebraska Lottery uh, giving away that, uh, that, that F-150. Uh, fountain drinks are free, man. They, they are. I love fountain drinks. That's awesome. But, you know, uh, with, with this uh, the scratch off this giveaway here at the Nebraska Lottery, I mean, it's it's so popular. And, and Elijah, how many times have have you tried to, to win said F one fifty? Oh, too many times. Too many. I mean, this year alone, at least twenty. <laughs> that, that, yeah, but uh, that is going to be a big time. And also, just from a a standpoint of of being the store where you're at at Super C up in Soresco, What's that like for you guys? I mean, uh, take take us through your perspective here of being the the winning store the, where the where the the truck was scratched off at. Yeah, it's fun. You know, they they give away um, eight of these trucks every time they do one of these trucks and bucks uh, draft ticket runs, and uh, we're lucky enough to be the first truck that won this year, or you know, sell the tickets that won the first truck this year. So that's across the whole state of Nebraska. So you know, we're we feel pretty lucky and we're excited for the winter and, and uh, yeah, it's a pretty special deal. You know, Tommy, real quick, uh, tell us a little bit about your store up in Soresco and folks are traveling all over the state. Obviously, folks are coming in for uh, Big Ten wrestling and, of course, uh, state basketball next week if they're passing through. Uh, just tell folks, remind them. Uh, your location and, and just where they can fill up and get a get a get a fountain drink or get some ice. Yeah, stop on by uh, our store in Soresco. We're just off the uh, uh, to the east side of the town there on the highway, and, and uh, yeah, stop in for a, a cold drink, grab some ice. We also have Valentinos in there, so grab a slice of pizza, and yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know right now. Whenever I'm heading anywhere. Uh, north of Lincoln, out, out 77 to, uh, to do some baseball on print. I'm stopping by for a slice of pizza every time. A slice of pizza and a breadstick. And you'll have that quarter in your hand, won't you, Elijah? <laughs> Tommy uh, Hergert with us from Super C. And, of course, uh, Trucks and Bucks, that giveaway happening tomorrow, 11 to 1, is Nebraska Lottery will present the Trucks and Bucks scratch-off winner, that brand-new F-150. Tommy, hey, thanks for checking in with us. Thank you for your time. And uh, congratulations to, to you and Super C in your store with the Trucks and Bucks giveaway. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is. That's uh, Tommy Hergert with Super C. And, uh, of course, the Trucks and Bucks, uh, Nebraska Lottery, been with us day one. We love them. And I'm telling you, if baseball season started a month earlier, the amount of trips I take through Ceresco out umpiring, I would have won that truck. If baseball season was just a month <laughs> earlier. <laughs> you're, you're like... You're happy for the winner, but you're 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 really quite frankly po'd it in you. Yeah, I mean, come on, like, sure, I love. I mean, I won four dollars last night on the uh, the trucks and bucks ticket I uh, I picked up at the gas station, but 
four dollars ain't no brand new 2022 ford f-150 no because like, like i mean we got the ads playing in the commercial breaks here and i hear it and i go yeah i do want a brand new blue ford f-150 and then it's it's somebody else living out my dream the the wife really pushed hard for me to get a pickup mm. And and then she totally went 180 on me. I was like, well, you're too short. You'll need a ladder to get in there. <laughs> she was going to get one, man. I mean, she, she was thinking about it. Well, the, the best thing about pickups is they hold their value for so much longer than any other car where, I mean, my roommate got one that was like eight years old and he mm-hmm. still paid almost a 30, lot. almost 30 K for it. Mm-hmm. Like just crazy and then they're so convenient so you can haul anything uh, anytime your friends call they want you to help them move see and that's when it goes to voicemail <laughs> uh i i am not a i like helping friends but i'm the wrong guy to ask to help move you uh that that, that seinfeld episode is so true don't even know the guy and i gotta help him move <laughs> It's Keith. It's Keith Hernandez. <laughs> I've helped. I've helped far too many people move in my day. Maybe I'm getting my Seinfelds mixed up. No, that's the. Well, there's also the the Friends episode too, isn't there? Or is that I, also I'm, Seinfeld? I'm not a Friends guy. Which is the one where it's like turn. Oh no, that that might be Friends. So are you uh, weirded out here by uh, Pickett's hand size? I mean, a little bit, but then you look at the last person in the league, the last starting quarterback with a hand that small, and it's. Joe Burrow. I mean, the the exact measurement, the last person to have that exact size, the starting quarterback in the NFL, was Mike Vick. And Mike Vick was a fine NFL player. Dude, it's still big enough to palm the football and chuck it. I mean, it's hilarious. You go back to 2020 and Joe Burrow's tweet, considering retirement, (laughs) because my hands aren't aren't as big as the NFL likes. Uh, There you go, right? So more thoughts on Nebraska, some good stuff on Vogue's, from Vogue's rather. And uh, be sure to find that, log on and can uh, check out uh, the on-demand section, ESPNLincoln.com, the website, the on-demand for Hale Varsity. Full podcast, get those and subscribe to them. It's, uh, it's just perfect for you, about an hour and a half of uh, football bliss for you. We try anyway. Good, bad, or ugly, give us the rating and can uh, log on and listen. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with the Hale Varsity Radio podcast. Six of them a week for you uh, with Hale Varsity. And we also try to get you that one, uh, that live stream on ESPN uh, Lincoln's Twitter or Facebook. Well, about once a week, we try to get you the live stream. We'll if, do that more during football season. Yeah, but if you want to see the, the beautiful faces of Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal, that's the way you do it. As we all dry heave. Uh, <laughs> the imprint on the offense. I think if we're going to just circle the offensive imprint, it's just going to be grouchy. That's the word I'm going to use. And that that is maybe a, a new, new leaf for these guys. I think they're going to mirror Whipple. And Whipple, to me, seems grouchy in a good way where they're going to get after it and just kind of go after you with a physical run game and with some weapons at receiver and a guy uh, that hopefully will be mistake-free at quarterback. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, loaded hour two, Gary Barnett, Parker Gabriel, Danny Burke, Burke's best bets, some NBA and some college basketball. Interesting slate. 
in the Big Ten. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. And uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So going to tell you to buckle up, hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver has one job to drive this message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So let's look in a little bit here to the uh, the mailbag from The Athletic. It, it's It's asking some <laughs> well, some very frank questions about uh, the Big 12. All right. We know expansions knocking headed off to uh, SEC land. But the, the questions there from Stuart Mandel, can, can the Big 12 be uh, an elite college football conference again? And think about who's moving to the Big 12. Right. I mean, we have Central Florida and, and Cincinnati. And so it, they'll be OK with some of those teams. But you lose an Oklahoma and a Texas. What do you have left? It's not that K-State State can't play good football. It's not that Iowa State and Coach Campbell can't play good football. You have Oklahoma State, who's been really good. I mean, they, they broke down the, the most wins in the last 10 years. Fox Sports football did for college. And, I mean, Oklahoma State's just like on that third tier where they're cranking out about 70 wins a decade. I mean, Nebraska's below that tier. It's it's monstrous to look at where Nebraska's been the last 10 years, who they're lumped with, who they're behind. I mean, you have your, your Clemson's, your Bama's, your Oregon's that are kind of in that top tier. And then barring a, a down year, I mean, you have your LSU's and your – A&M's, well, A&M's been kind of hit or miss, but... Wisconsin's, Wisconsin's there, Iowa's there that are cranking out between 9 and 10. Sparty drifted off, but they had a really good 2010 through even last year. Penn State's kind of been hot, and then obviously Ohio State's in that top tier. I I think that tier there, that LSU, Wisconsin, Iowa, Penn State, that's the tier that Nebraska fans, like, they'd be happy being in that tier. That's the neighborhood you always lived in. Mm -hmm. And then for, you know, about a seven-year stretch, five to seven-year stretch, you, you, you know, jumped into the penthouse. And, you know, the question is, can you get back there again? And you've done it before as a blue blood. You should be able to do it again. I think you got a great shot of getting high-level consistency with the staff changes if you're patient enough to not disband or disrupt and give this staff a chance to kind of click together with the same head guy and then just go to work. You know, you can you can get better. You've just had a whole slew of transition after transition after transition compound and it was uh, it was a rough first couple of steps but now you're you're done wobbling theoretically Gary Barnett's on the way it's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery 
Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some college football, some spring football. And uh, Gary Barnett with us, Hall of Fame coach, Northwestern and Colorado, also uh, at Missouri. Coach, I mean, scale of 1 to 10, how bad's the struggle right now with your golf game? <laughs> well, with 10 being the worst, I'd say it's maybe 10 and a half right really? now. So, what's, um, going, what's going man, on? It, it, it just comes and goes. Right now, it's my driver, and so I, I just don't have any rhythm with it. I gotta, you know, I'm I'm tinkering too much, and probably listening to too many articles and uh, <laughs> reading too much. So you know, I can do that. I can overthink this thing pretty easily. <laughs> well, at least you're having fun overthinking. Uh, just get a new driver, coach. Well, that's always been my solution in the past, Chris, but that gets expensive. I bet. I bet. Well, I want to talk. But you can a- trade them in, you know. You can just trade them in. They're, 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 they're uh, highly uh, negotiable. So. Well, there's new technology out every year, man. You got to stay up, right? So, well, <laughs> let me know how that goes. I want to get your thoughts uh, when it comes to uh, th- this time of year, spring football, and had a lot of fun earlier in the week with uh, the round table with the Nebraska assistants and the spring football press conference. Uh, your thought, Coach, on just that, that urgency in spring and would like your your take on, on your approach for uh, looking at a player. Nebraska's got a lot of three- and four-year guys at different spots, but some of the secondary, some of the defensive line, what was kind of your rule of thumb with moving on from a kid or sticking with a kid that maybe hadn't popped yet, might have been a high-profile recruit? How did you uh, assess all of that here with uh, when it came to, to development or, or going to the next guy? Well, there's, there's two things I would immediately jump out as you just delivered the, those two questions. One is the number one thing is there is no urgency in spring ball and the minute you start to think there is uh you're going to overlook something the the beauty of spring ball is you can take it as slow as you want to go as slow as you need to go and you got to assess that need but there is no sense of urgency you don't have to have anything ready at the end of the spring football at the end of the spring you probably have a pretty good idea where your defense is but your offense is there's so much time for your offense to continue to improve at the end of spring football that you don't want to you don't want to rush to judgments and you don't want to be too quick with all that stuff, um, and, and you don't want to overlook anything. At this point in time, spring football is about going back to basics and uh, you know ingraining a groove, a practice, uh, techniques that sort of stuff. You don't have to have a game. You have to be game ready on Saturday. You don't have to see any film. You don't have to watch an opponent. So it's all about making every player better and seeing how things progress, given experimenting with different players at different positions 
experimenting with offensive plays or defensive schemes. It's 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 truly for me was a really fun time. As far as the guys go, the kids go, the players, you know, I had a standing rule: apples don't ripen at the same time. Mm. And so, you know, you really only when you look at recruiting classes, and I don't care where you are, um, if you hit on fifty, if fifty percent of your guys that you recruit start, you're doing pretty well. So it comes with the business. You just things just don't develop. People, players quit developing. Players end up with different issues. Coach, coaches leave, you know, and so that hurts their development. Uh, there's just so many things that factor in to uh, why and when a kid all of a sudden develops, or if he doesn't develop. So again, I I I'd I preach patience. I always patience and you're you sit in their living room and you've promised to be a surrogate father to every one of these young men and so you have to carry out that responsibility if you say you're going to do something do it Mm -hmm. and so that means you don't give up on your own kid after two years or three years now if it's in his best interest and he knows it then the two of you have a discussion and you help him get someplace else but it's got to be mutual. The, the young man has got to come to the conclusion that that it, he just probably isn't going to fit in. He's not going to get to play. You know, some of the, some guys there came to Nebraska because they love Nebraska, and that's value, and that's valuable. That's valuable in the locker room, and so you want to be very very careful with all that, and you want to meet all your responsibilities. Everything that you said you were going to do, you want to do. The minute you start um, falling back or not delivering on what you said you were going to do, you lose your locker room. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's very – you've got to be very careful with that. You've got all these new assistants. And, uh, you know, not everybody's going to, you know, jive with them right away. So you got to have time. And that's the beauty of spring football. The the vibe and, and mood and kind of feel with Scott Frost, Gary Barnett's with us. He seemed way more relaxed this spring, even though there's some urgency and, and you touched on what spring's all about. Coach, knowing Coach Whipple like you do, how's, how's his uh, expertise, his experience – going to help Scott out it just it, it, it yeah it's spring it's not fall I get it but how's he how's he going to be able to lighten the pressure if there is such a thing with Scott well Whip's been through everything okay and he's learned through every one of those situations you go through if you don't learn it was a waste of time and so he's learned and 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 Scott can learn from that Scott's learned you know just uh, you know, his the way he reacted so many times this fall. Like, um, I mean, he he knows he's he knows they're close, and so um, if you've done this long enough, and Whipple has, and some of these other guys have, then you know it's a process, and it, it you just don't change it overnight. And they were so close. It reminds me of in 2000, we were almost exactly the same thing. We almost, 
you know, about the same record, and we, I don't, I think we may have lost one game by double digits, but all the other games we lost by single digits. And then we all knew it was close, but we, we had to put the noise out. We had to close, shut the noise off because, you know, everybody's clamoring and everybody's got an opinion why you're not any good or why you're not winning. And so, and then all of a sudden, the, the kids had confidence, coaches had confidence coming out of spring ball. And uh, we took that same season, and we had the great 2001 season we had. And, you know, I see Nebraska right on um, right on the verge of that same sort of thing. There was just too many good things that happened last year. And so many pundits have written the same thing. You know, it's uh, I mean, everybody knows it. You got through it. Here's the beauty. He got through it. He survived. Not all those coaches survived. He survived. So now let's use all that that valuable experience and education we got last year going through this and turn it into the next level. So, you know, that's what's going on in those meetings. Gary Barnett's with us a few minutes, Tale Varsity Radio. Coach, I want to go back to that 2000 season. Is that the year you, you took the, the Buffalo decal off the helmet? Uh, we took that off. Uh, yeah, I think it was. You know, it caused some stirs. We 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 only took it off for a game. No, but know, I mean, we... you guys won at A and M the next yeah. week. I mean, you got the result, right? right? <laughs> That's right, and we beat we beat A and M. Exactly right. How was how you know from that motivational tactic? How did uh, how did kids react to that? What 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 was that experience like? Oh, it, it wasn't a fun experience for any of us. I mean, it was a really hard decision to do, and if if. I wouldn't have done it if it if the idea hadn't come from a couple former Buffalo players that were on my staff, uh, John Embry and and uh, Big Enemy, and um, a couple other guys, Brian Cabral. You know, I there's no way I would have done it without consulting with former players, and so it was <laughs> it caused a ruckus. I can tell you that, and um, it caused a ruckus in our locker room. But you know, sometimes that's what you need. You need that to happen. You know, it's you get complacent, or you 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 know, it needs to be shaken up every once in a while. So I would say, if you were judging that decision, is would you do it all over again? I probably wouldn't. Okay. But uh, but I did, and um, it, it so happened that we upset a big team the next week. So. You know, maybe it worked. It wasn't fun doing it. I can tell you that. <laughs> Did you just take arrows for all we? I mean, you probably. Oh, just... I took arrows. I was wearing arrow shirts for a month. <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh yeah, all sorts of arrows. Yeah. Gary Barnett's with us, Coach. Uh, Athletic has a good story out. David Ubin uh, is is projecting five teams to make a leap. And uh, anytime you're in in company with these names, I think it's a good thing. But. They've they've all underachieved. I don't know that that A and M did uh, so much as the way they finished was pretty strong. But you know, Clemson was still ten and three. The five teams: SC, Florida, Nebraska, A and M, and Clemson. Uh, do you agree with uh, those five picks as we look forward to fall? Are these five teams you think could could make a big leap? Well, it's it's you're in pretty good company. Yeah, uh, I mean, you look at the at the recruiting base and 
history at Clemson, that's not a hard that's not a hard pick. And you see what's happened in the recruiting to A and M, and uh, you know what a potential great place that is. So that one's not hard to pick. SC isn't certainly isn't that hard, especially when you see the accumulation of talent they've had through the portal just in six months. So that one's not hard. Florida, Florida, you know, that's a little tougher pick for me, I think, just because a new coach, new system. Uh, and I'm not sure that's one I would have put in that. I'm not sure who else I would have put in. I have to do the research on it. But I don't think that's one I would have put in there. So you're in pretty good company. And then Nebraska, so it's pretty good company that you're in. Well, what do you – the, the the names say it all, and I think SC's, like you touched on, is good. I think A&M could uh, – I mean, Jimbo keeps recruiting at a high level. I, I don't know what his quarterback situation is. I know Clemson was young on the uh, the lines of scrimmage last year, but they're they're pretty loaded talent-wise. When you look at Nebraska, is it is it a big ask to see a monster jump with a – uh, a new, not completely new staff, but uh, a lot of new staff in a first year. Uh, it's a bit of a reach, I think, but um, you know you've got enough players around, mm-hmm. uh, and you had valuable experience last year. I, I think the key is going to be quarterback. Now we did it in two thousand and one uh, with. Uh, a quarterback who managed the game, mm-hmm. and so we had, you know, we could rely on our offensive line, our running backs, um, the and and then our defense, uh, especially our secondary. So we we had all the holes filled. We had we needed a quarterback who wouldn't make mistakes, could throw the ball accurately, and get us in the right play. And uh, we, we didn't need much more out of him. And that's pretty much what we had. We had two different quarterbacks that year. And so uh, this game today is more of a quarterback-oriented uh, process. And so uh, I think it really comes down at, at this point in time this year is, is the how Casey Thompson plays. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, Casey, can he stay healthy? And it sounds like from a leadership standpoint, he's he's really – uh, done well with his team coach last thought let's talk swag for a moment saw this story uh, about recruiting swag and it kind of went into kevin sumlin showing up in a helicopter for recruiting what's the fanciest you ever got for for uh, making a trip to a recruit's house i never wanted to do something like that i didn't i never wanted to make that statement the, the, the only thing i ever did that was close to that is i might have five or six or seven assistants okay all show up at one one kid's house in one day and so um it, it was a fight uh <laughs> with the with the ad uh as to why in the world i would have seven assistants all fly to some place in the middle of nowhere uh, and the cost of that, that was, that was always an issue at Colorado, <clears throat> but that's, that's about the most, uh, you know, I used to go to the, uh, I'll tell you how, how I was different. I used to go by myself to most of those okay. to recruits house. I didn't necessarily like going with another one of my players. I'd uh, coaches. Mm-hmm. I'd like to show up by myself. 
And uh, to me, I thought that made a bigger statement than anything else. So it's just how you view it, perceive it. Man, the uh, the, uh, the the limos, uh, old Jack Pierce. Yeah, I never did that. Never Jack, did that. Jack would always he'd always say, uh, "Well, we're going to get a Cadillac, Tom." <laughs> he made he made Coach Osborne read a Cadillac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it's a different time now. Oh, yeah, that's good. Coach, uh, good luck with the golf game. Thanks for a few minutes. You bet, bud. Good good being with you, Chris. Good stuff from Coach Barnett there. Uh, No helicopter rides for Coach Barney. That's all right. Parker Gabriel, talk some spring ball with us next on Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now. Say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say it a Parker Gabriel with the Lincoln Journal Star to talk some big red football spring and uh, at Husker Extra PG on Twitter. Parker, what's uh, what's new, man? How you been? I've been doing well, you know, just getting in the... Uh spring football rhythm such that it is enjoying the weather and um yeah cruising along well i'm gonna ask you about the o-line to start interested to get your thoughts with what uh what uh, donnie riola has in front of him it's it's going to be kind of an incomplete test so to speak just because of the the well-known injuries with uh with teddy out and uh of course uh, turner out that said, as you look at this offensive line group, do you think they had a problem with what they were asked to do last year? Or was it more about mentality? Because it's, it's been pretty clear that that might be job one for, for Raiola's to fix their mentality. Yeah, that, that certainly seems to be. It's, I think Scott Frost seems to think it was both uh, in terms of exactly what they were doing technique-wise, and then mentality with an offensive lineman sometimes, you, you almost can't separate the two in some ways because you can foster mentality uh, based on how you, you ask guys or demand guys play. Um, now, I want to be always fair to Greg Austin in this conversation because Nebraska has always been – you know Scott Frost from the from from going back to UCF and even at Oregon they they they've always wanted everyone wants to be big and physical and run the ball, um, but they've also always talked about the system being designed so that you don't necessarily need to physically overwhelm somebody. You get some vertical displacement, you get a little horizontal displacement. The running back has some seams to choose from, and away you go. Now. The issue with that is that in the Big Ten, I think what they've found is that creating that displacement uh, is easier said than done. And they just too many times haven't, um, you know, created enough room. Not to say they didn't create any, but they didn't create enough, consistently enough. And Scott has talked a lot about wanting a more aggressive play style. And so that's, um, in terms of, I think, the technology, Technique and mentality. See there, I just combined the words as it is. Um, I think that will be jobs one and two, sort of for for Donnie Rayola, is to get those guys playing in that way and with that posture. 
Parker Gabriel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Parker, I want to get your take on the comments from Nick Henrich and Scott Frost at the press on Monday. Nick Henrich said that he felt like the uh, the running game felt more downhill, but then Scott Frost came back and said, well, it's the uh, pretty much the same running scheme that we're running last year. I mean, what do you make of that? Is that, is that encouraging for, uh, for signs of the future based on what uh, Donovan Royal has already been able to build in the room? Well, I think, I mean, there's a couple things going on there. One, that's sort of exactly what we're talking about is, you know, Scott said, I, I hope it felt a little different on the defense. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what you're going for is, you know, they don't have to change the scheme a lot and, and they get better results or they get results that a defense feels more. I mean, that's, that's exactly the goal. I think it's also worth pointing out that, you know, this spring that offensive line is operating against that defensive front um, that, is down the four guys uh, that left the program this offseason. Obviously, um, you know, Ben Silly was out of eligibility, and then you had the three um, fifth-year guys that left to, to pursue the pros and, and Jordan Riley to the transfer portal. And then Casey Rogers, their most experienced returning player, is also out for the spring. So you may also be getting life is a little bit different for the inside linebackers uh, when you don't have a big veteran defensive line that's experienced in controlling the front on the first day of spring ball, too. And also, they don't fully have the pads on. So um, all of that probably helps explain. Uh, but the bottom line is um, Scott Frost will be very happy if Nebraska's defense continues to feel that way all through the offseason. Parker, a thought on Coach Dawson taking – over all of that defensive line, what did you take away with him? Is he upbeat? Is he excited about building some depth, re- depth or, or reloading, or is it uh, a big task? How did he feel about this spring? Yeah, I think I think both. You know, it's um, it's definitely a big task, uh, but he's excited about it. There's, you know, that's a very interesting. I mean, it's an interesting group that he's got, right? Because there's there's several different body types in there um, and they're guys who we've sort of considered to be two different position groups. And then over the last year for sure, and, and really parts of the last two seasons, um, you know, they've sort of played more like one group uh, in terms of outside linebackers playing sort of like four, three defensive ends at some times and defensive uh, ends we might have used to call them playing, you know, the three and five technique. And so you got, you got all these pieces. And I think not only is Mike Dawson excited about um, coaching all of those guys, and he's coached them as individual position groups um, over the course of his two stints at Nebraska. Um, but the guys seem to be excited by it too. I mean, Ty Robinson and Garrett, Garrett Nelson both said on Monday that they think it can be a good thing to have sort of one voice leading um, that whole defensive front group, I guess you could sort of call it. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, he doesn't have the special teams on his plate anymore, but he's got probably like 20 guys in his room. Um, so he's got he's got plenty of uh, managing to do and uh, plenty of competition, especially um, the closer you get to the edge. And then I think probably, I mean, they, they need some guys to emerge, young guys to emerge uh, in terms of interior defensive linemen, and they may need to uh, supplement via the portal, too. Parker Gabriel's with us here on Hale Varsity. And, and Parker, that which goes 
uh, position group which goes right along with that defensive line is that nickel spot that Jojo Doman played last season. And I, I've brought it up a decent amount on this show over the past couple weeks because I think it's one of the biggest question marks on the defense. Who's going to step up and fill that role, fill some big shoes that were left by Jojo Doman, admittedly. Do you have a, a feel for who uh, the guy might be to watch this spring in terms of a, a guy that's going to fill in? I know we saw Isaac Gifford there at the end of last season, but with uh, with really – uh, a new season ahead that that spot still seems up for the uh, up for the grabs. Yeah, and I think I think there's um, not a danger, but I I don't think that they're going to ask somebody to do exactly what JoJo Doman did. And they may use different guys depending on um, the the sort of game situation. So it's an interesting spot though because they have some versatile players. That group includes Gifford, as, as you mentioned. A guy like Javen Wright, who's working his way back from missing most of last year uh, with a blood clotting issue. Um, and then, you know, Chris Kolarovic was a guy who got talked about on Monday as playing that spot. He obviously was in rotation at inside linebacker last year. Um, he's probably the closest physically to what Doman was. I mean, he's listed at 6'1 and 230, which is similar to JoJo. Uh, he, he was a very good upper-level athletic tester last winter. He might be a little bit better suited to play in that sort of space rather than in the box all the time. The thing that's interesting, though, is that sort of nickel, as we call it, will depend on – it's basically just going to be whoever the next best player is, the guy that they feel like they need to be on the, needs to be on the field. If it's Polarovic, great. If it's Gifford or Javen Wright, great. But it might be Marquise Buford, for example, or um, Tommy Hill. Let's say that Quinton Newsom and Marquise Buford win the starting corner jobs, um, and Buford isn't playing state, or, or Buford's playing safety. Then maybe somebody else slides into that nickel. So it's really going to sort of be that's the challenge. And I think the thing that Eric Chenander is excited about is, yeah, they have a lot to replace. Um, but you not fully reimagine, but you you do tinker with your combinations, and you just are sort of trying to figure out how to get the best guys on the field, where you can you know take as take away uh, as many things and be ready for as many things as you can. True or false? Parker Gabriel can run a four seven nine forty. Well, even if I could, I'm not uh, six seven and five eighths and two hundred and fifty three pounds. Seventeen so. year old Parker would probably uh, would probably answer true. Uh, current day Parker would say categorically no. Well, tip of the cap to Austin Allen in Indy uh, a little bit earlier today. Did uh, some work, and that's. Good time and, and uh, you know, good for him. And I, I'm anxious to see where Austin falls or goes is a better word to use for the NFL draft is what I mean. And, you know, Nebraska's got some guys to, to showcase here in Indy, Parker. But uh, of, of the four guys, is there, a, is there a guy you're buying stock in for an NFL career? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I, 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 I sort of think that all of them have – traits that would lead you to think that they can stick in the league for a while. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we knew a little bit about, we know as, as people who are around the Nebraska program, we know things about all of these guys, about their traits and so on and so forth. I'm really curious to see 
if Cam Jurgen builds a little bit of buzz this week just because, I mean, he's such a good athlete. And I'm not sure. I mean, if you watch him a lot, if you watch the Big Ten a lot, I would think people that follow the Big Ten know that he's a pretty good athlete. But I think he's going to open some eyes if he jumps anything close to the 34-and-a-half-inch vertical that Nebraska had him at last winter. And depending on, you know, what his – just the explosiveness to what that looks like in the drill work and and in the the running and jumping stuff um, at the combine. I think he's got a chance to really met himself. That that goes a little bit extra, too, because since he's not a graduate, a college graduate, he didn't get to play in any of those all-star games over the last couple months. So uh, it's a big week for everybody that's in Indianapolis, but I think of the Nebraska four that are there, I think Cam Jurgens can – maybe open the most eyes over the next few days. Parker, we'll do this again, bud. Awesome to get caught up and talk some spring ball, and we'll uh, get after it uh, soon down the road. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, no problem. We'll talk to you guys soon. Good to hear from Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star, talking big red football, spring football. This is pretty interesting here with uh, NIL and what our old boy Blake Lawrence is doing with Open Doors. Oregon has launched an official NIL platform where anyone can click on an athlete's profile and then pitch them an opportunity. So I think the minimum starting point's 30 bucks. Let's huddle up, Elijah. I think we should do that. Daddy Burke talking about money. Burke's best bets next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke with us from the VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5. His show, Rush Hour, and the Danny Burke Podcast. Uh, Pride of Chicago, a lot of NBA and some college hoops to get into. How are you? Not too bad, Schmitty. We're, uh, we're hoping for a little uh, turnaround here for our Chicago Bulls. After the last time we talked, we did pretty well with our bets and just overall getting in the W column against the Hawks. But after that, two two tough losses against top teams, which has been the criticism of this Bulls team up to this point. But they get the Hawks again tonight, so hopefully they can bounce back. But I'm feeling pretty good and uh, looking forward to the slate. What do you like uh, as you look at the Bulls here? What's the numbers, some in-game, some props, anything you think you can capitalize on? Yeah, a lot of interesting angles here tonight, Schmitty. You've got this spread that opened at four and a half, and then after the initial opening of four and a half, it came down immediately. And there's a lot that goes into it being that, well, Trey Young may be injured going into this game. I mean, he was banged up with his ankle from the last outing. And I haven't seen the official status, but he was questionable. So even if he does go, Schmitty, I mean, you're probably imagining he's not 100%. And the Bulls have blocked him down in the past. I would just sumo did a fantastic job. I think Trey only had like 14 points, but eight of those points came from the free throw line. So, again, regardless of if he's going or not, I think that's still a slight advantage to the Bulls. But the line came down from four and a half down to one and a half. It's kind of a tough spot for the Bulls because they've already beaten the Hawks three times and one of them being last week. So, typically, you give the advantage to the team that just lost when you've seen them so much. And especially because the Bulls' home and road splits have not been advantageous toward them. They're like 15 and 14 on the road. But I'm looking at a player prop tonight, Schmitty. You can get Zach Levine at 22.5 points. 
He's gone over this twice against the Atlanta Hawks out of those three games thus far. Uh, he's gone over this. I think the number's like 34 out of 50 or 51 games, whatever it is exactly this season. And where Zach Levine takes the majority of the shots, it's at the rim and it's from deep. So three-point shots and getting to the bucket. And guess what? That just so happens to be two of the weakest spots for this Atlanta Hawks defense that overall is just an abysmal defense. And furthermore, in transition, they're the second-worst transition defense. You know Zach Levine. He's going to look to push it. He wants to be aggressive and take things fast into the rim. So I think all that leads to a big night out of Levine. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 25-plus. So that's really the main angle and best bet I'm approaching for this game. Grizz and Celtics, what do you say? Man, this line movement is perplexing to me. I mean, no Jalen Brown for the Celtics. Grizzlies open minus three. And now you're seeing the Celtics is almost a three-point favorite. I'm, I'm just really confused why that is. I, I get that maybe we're overvaluing the Grizzlies a little bit and the Celtics have been better, but let's be honest. I mean, I, I just don't think that's how it should be. Memphis matches up fairly well with them. I mean, the Celtics defensively are pretty sound, but offensively Boston really got nothing in my view. So I think if you're giving me points with Memphis, I'd have to look to take it with them. I don't know if I'll you know, necessarily give it out of my show as the best place, Minnie. I'm kind of waiting to see where it still ends up. But, man, it's hard to ignore taking the points with Memphis. Danny Burke, pride of Chicago. Burke's best bets, Hail Varsity Radio. Danny, of course, with Beeson Sports Network. What do you anticipate with the return of KD for the Nets? I wanted to bet the Nets in this game, Schmitty, because I think it's a good situation for them. Miami coming into town, a very good team, as we all know. But they just lost a terrible game last night against the Bucs. I mean, they had like a seven-point lead with like 90 seconds left, and they still had the lead with the ball twice. They can't get out of the double team. Hero turns it over, and then they almost get a five-second violation have to call a timeout, and then they end up passing it in. And it turns into a jump ball. Like, how are you professional athletes and can't scheme around? I, it's beyond me. But nevertheless, they end up getting the game winner, Milwaukee, over the Heat. So it's a devastating loss. And now you got to go to Brooklyn where Kevin Durant's coming back in the mix. It doesn't look like his minutes are going to be restricted. So I want to take the points with Brooklyn. The reason I'm staying away, Schmitty, it is a home game, so no Kyrie Irving. And Kevin Durant first came back from a severe injury with new players all around him. How's that going to mesh together, right? We don't know what the rhythm of the play is going to be. We don't know if it's going to translate immediately. There could be sort of a learning curve. So for that reason, I'm going to stay away. But I would have the stronger lean toward taking the points with Brooklyn. Danny, let's go to college basketball. Some teams trying to avoid a further drop with their seeding. Michigan State got the big win against Purdue. They head to Ohio State. Ohio State just lost at home to Nebraska. What a win for Fred and company. Ohio State minus six. You looking at this at all? Oh, man. You know, it, this spot seems like it would be a good buy-low opportunity on the Buckeyes, right? I feel like you look at this team to go, how did you just lose to Nebraska? You know, there's no way I'm trusting them laying a number over five, regardless of who it is. But let's be honest, Ohio State is still a tough team. It's college basketball. Crazy things happen. Hoiberg and this team, as bad as they've been, they still, as we saw, are talented enough to at least make it close and then sometimes close out. It's just a walking sport at the collegiate level. We all know this. And Schmitty, a little bit furthermore into it, too, I mean, Michigan State, while Izzo's always a tough guy to go against this late, especially in the month of March, they really haven't been that strong team, that strong of a team on the road as of late. I mean, they got stomped out at Michigan. 
They got killed at Iowa, and at Penn State they lost by four. So now you're going to a pissed-off Ohio State team. I think it's got to be the Buckeyes or nothing for me. You know, that that sounds like some, some pretty sound math. Uh, as we move to Ann Arbor, uh, Jawan's been watching. Old uh, Martelli's been doing his thing. Iowa has been incredible. Uh, they head to a dangerous spot. Michigan's got a win and got a win against uh, teams that can help their uh, their NCAA tournament case. Michigan minus two. Do you think Iowa keeps the magic going? I want to say yes, but at the same time, you got to look at this game in the sense of who's hungrier, right, Schmitty? I mean, you know, Michigan's desperate for a win here. Iowa doesn't obviously need it as much. You're still playing for seeding in both tournaments, but again, I you know the, the thing about betting Iowa is, of course, they can play like the greatest team in the country on every, any given night if their shots are hitting, but if they can't hit it, well, then you're just absolutely screwed all throughout. So I, I probably have more confidence in that Ohio State game than I do this one, but at the same time, it might be you know a rare spot that you're catching points with an Iowa team that on paper is probably better than Michigan, but in this spot, I'm not so sure. So I, I kind of I kind of defer to you on this one, Schmitty. I think I'm going to stay away but lean Iowa. I am running from anything Michigan-related <laughs> just because of what they are. And uh, Iowa, to me, it feels like a spot where, where Iowa might take one on the chin. Danny Burke, VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Uh, last thought here, Danny, about 30 seconds. Would you take the points? We don't know the number yet, but would you take the points? Nebraska's going to be catching Wisconsin in a good spot. They've already won part of the league title. Uh, Any chance Fred gets three in a row? Look, this is an interesting concept, too, because, like you said, they already have a share of the title. So what's the incentive going to be for the Badgers in this game? And as for Nebraska, if they can keep that spark and momentum going, knowing that, like, hey, He's already celebrating, like, screw these guys. If the number's big enough, Schmitty, I think it'll definitely be appealing to a lot of people. I don't know. I mean, you're not going to get it as high as it was in that Ohio State game, presumably. But if it gets to a respectable amount, I don't hate the idea. As crazy as it seems, is taking the points with Nebraska. But, of course, you could always wait in-game and see what this Husker squad looks like coming out. Daddy, we'll do this again uh, next time. Thanks for a few minutes. Always, Schmitty. Take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, get ready for Big Red, Big Red Baseball tomorrow. Uh, Java Chamberlain back with us for another Friday hit. Jacob Padilla. They'll talk all things basketball. Uh, which will be uh, no doubt our full plate uh, next week at PBA with uh, boys and girls state basketball. Plenty of coverage here on ESPN and KFOR locally. And, of course, our, our fine affiliates out in central Nebraska, northeast Nebraska, they'll have their area teams covered as well. So this was pretty awesome. A tweet sent out uh, a field of 64 with the legendary teams of college basketball the cutoff here seems to be 82 carolina that's that's the oldest team 40 years uh jordan perkins worthy the the superdome uh jordan 
as a freshman. But this just this is my college basketball wheel wheelhouse with some of these great teams like '96 Marcus Camby, UMass was awesome. Fab Five, Michigan, 93, incredible. Loved UNLV, that 91 squad. The 90 team won the whole thing and rocked Bobby Hurley and Duke by 30 in Denver. And then the year later, the freak shows at Duke finally won their first title. <laughs> but I I look at some of the squads. You're, uh, you're calling a foul, Elijah here. You you are pissed there's no Kimba Walker. Well, I, I'm just looking at this, and it was clearly made by somebody a lot younger than me. Or sorry, a lot older than me. Because the, 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 the teams that I remember being great, uh, the, as you said, the cardiac Kimba team of 2011, that was, I mean, they, they weren't the, the best. Six, the six overtime and then to get to a title. Yeah, and, and the fact that they weren't even, I think they were like a seven seed, and they went on and won the whole thing. Yeah, they uh, got hot, bro. <laughs> the, the, yeah, that's, that's a team that stands out to me. Or, or 2012 Kentucky with Anthony Davis. And, well, I think they had five... Uh, lottery picks on that Kentucky team just like the, the teams that I remember being great they have 18 Villanova which yeah that's, that's a good answer but those don't those weren't the most dominant teams from from my era of watching college basketball especially that 2012 Kentucky team I think they finished the regular season like 30 and 2 they did you had a shift though uh, from the mid 90s to late 90s where you had guys for a couple of years and then they were gone a lot of the early 90s teams I mean guys had to at least stay three years, right? I mean, you didn't have you had Garnett make the jump from high school. The one team that, that got to a Final Four that I thought was just a ton of fun to watch was that Marquette squad of 03 with Dwayne Wade. Mm. I mean, that, damn, that's almost 20 years, though. I mean, think about that. And if, if you're listening at home and you want to see the, uh, the bracket yourself, it's been uh, retweeted onto the ESPN Lincoln Twitter account, so you can go check it out there as uh, you can go look at the full 64-team field. And you'll have some folks, like a team that got hot that was good was KU in 86 with with uh, with, with Danny uh, Manning. They won, 86 is wrong, 88 when, when they won it. But you had a, a good run. You had Oklahoma, Kansas <laughs> for the championship. That was really like the first championship game I really remember. I still really like the Ewing teams. And the the Olajuwon squads from Houston, they never got it done though. Uh, Loyola Marymount 1990 was fun. Talk to you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. Thanks.